Amen. I love the mornings. How about you? And the Bible says that there's coming a morning where there'll be no more nights. And that's when we go to heaven and to be with our Lord. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, as things are going, we know that time is running out. Well, we've had some good music this morning. I've enjoyed it. I thank the Lord for that song, especially for Brother Rankin. That's his favorite song of um, It Is Well With My Soul. I hope it's well with your soul this morning. Even when the rains come, we can lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Amen. Uh, you might need to keep your mouth shut while you lift up your eyes so you don't drown. But, uh, oh my. Well, this morning we are going to continue on in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we'll uh, get that up there. And, and uh, there in Matthew chapter 7, we continue on this and... Uh, we're going to take some divergence today. Is that a good word? I don't know if that's quite the right word to use, but it sounds all right to me anyways. Um, And we're going to look at some things, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you. Last week we had just a a wonderful opportunity to look at why people don't listen, why people don't want to discern. And uh, this has been catching my attention today. Why don't people just get it? I don't know, it breaks my heart. Sometimes I don't get it. Or why does it take so long to get it? And so here about that, the beam and and the moat and let's take care of it so we can see. Lord, we want to see. We want God to open our eyes. And uh, for some reason, my clicker is still not working. And they'll get it fixed back there as soon as we can see it. I I like that picture. I don't know why I like that picture. Uh, But... um, I got to look at one of my grandchildren uh, yesterday. It's amazing what you can do with FaceTime today. And uh, really enjoying that as you get to, even in texting, you can text pictures of them crawling and videotaping. And you can just watch this stuff on your phone. And it's just amazing. I I uh, t- uh, thinking about telling my wife, you know, we could save quite a bit of money by not having to fly back to see them. We'll just look at them on the phone. Uh, that kind of fits... Uh, my style of uh, my f- style of finances. Yesterday, um, um, we were over at the property painting a little bit, and uh, Larry needed a, a, a brush, and I had one of these. Uh, yeah, it's out. Yeah, very good. Uh, Larry had uh, wanted one of these little. You you seen one of those little sponge brushes? You know, you can buy twelve for a dollar and everything. And I said, well, Larry, I've got one. And so I brought out the one that I had been using for two years, you know. And he says, you don't throw those away? I says, oh, no, I washed them out. And, and, uh, but then I was thinking, uh, Larry, if I hadn't washed it out, you wouldn't have it here. And that gets a good point. And, and so um, we, we, we look at those things and we try to, uh, to be frugal. And God's been good. We're having a business meeting tonight. We're going to share with some things tonight. I hope you'll come tonight. Thank you, Brother Josh. By the way, Josh... Uh, lost, uh, or Brianna lost her grandmother uh, this week and was on hospice for a period of time. And so pray for Brianna and their family as well. Would you do that? Josh, I appreciate you being here this morning. I know your family is uh, having a great difficulty in dealing with all the things in the hospice and all that that takes place there and everything. But we will be praying. And you let sure uh, Brianna knows we're praying for her as well. Amen. Uh, just... Uh, uh, 
don't know where all that was going, but it was going someplace. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter uh, 7, and, and we're going to take some direction off of this. Last week, we, we looked at some, some things of why people don't see, and we, we looked at, we spent uh, the, quite a bit of time on these aspects and, and different verses that uh, go up there, and they say a picture's worth a thousand words, but uh, uh, as you remember those, the first one is attitude. You know, when we come to church, we want to come with the attitude to receive. And then we talked about our chair. And I've left this chair up here, and I get to enjoy that chair, but our chair might not be in the right place. And so we used that as an illustration last week. Or we had the wrong glasses on. We don't see things. Uh, oftentimes we th- see things through a worldly perspective rather than a biblical perspective. And then Traditions. Well, we've always done it this way, the traditions of men. Not that traditions are wrong in and of themselves because there's the traditions of God, which is based on truth. But the traditions of men, we need to be careful about. And then I like that that last, uh, the bottom person there, uh, here, and that is the flesh. Sometimes we make decisions because of the way we feel or we make decisions emotionally or we're tired or things like that. And um, we used some illustrations of that last week. And then the little boy in the middle. I had several f- folks last week say, you know, that looks like my grandson. <laughs> I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Why don't we want to hear? And then the last one, we used the illustration of Herod, where he had uh, uh, John the Baptist beheaded. You remember that? Uh, and uh, the cost. Uh, they, he knew what was right to do. But he wasn't willing to do it. And so this morning, as we get into this and all, I I asked the question, why wouldn't somebody want to hear? And maybe you, I don't think people here at Westside Baptist Church are like that. I think we really do want to hear. Is that not correct? We want to know what God wants us to do. We want to know, uh, as the uh, quartet uh, just uh, saying each step I take. I want my steps to be ordered of the Lord. I want to know what He has for me. And I want to follow His plan in my life. We sing that, I'll live for Him. And so we, we have those desires. But I want to ask you this question. Do you think there are people who maybe want to hear or want to see, but they still don't? Sure. Some of it is maturity. Some of it is maybe we don't want to see as much as we really think we want to see. Do you think that uh, people throughout the Bible that they made up their mind that they just didn't want to get it? Or was it that that was a part of their lives? I think personally that there's a lot of people who do not see because they just don't get it. Now, we know a lost person doesn't get it. We understand that, right? Because spiritually things are spiritually discerned. But when I look at the Old Testament and I look at the New Testament, we're going to look at a lot of the Old Testament this morning. But here in this passage, we looked at this last time. He entered again to the synagogue and there was a man there uh, which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. You know, I was thinking... Uh, how many healings Jesus did on the Sabbath day. Now, it could have been on other days, is that correct? And he did healings on other days. But there's a lot of illustration being brought out in the New Testament. 
uh, about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And I think it's purposely brought out here because the people, the Pharisees and the lawyers or those who were handling the Old Testament law, they just didn't want to see it. And they wanted to accuse him of something. And they watched him to whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Sometimes people are looking to find fault in other people. And that's what this passage here in Matthew 7 is about. About uh, considering the, the, the motes in your brother's eye and not your beam in your eyes. Oftentimes we don't, do not want to look inside of ourselves because sometimes it can be painful. But instead of it being painful, it should be liberating. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why would we not want to confess our sins? Why would we not want to be honest with ourselves? Well, pride comes in, selfishness comes in, as we've been talking about for some time. You're going to see a Bible filled with these kinds of attitudes where people see the mighty hand of God. And uh, He said unto this man... Stand forth. And he said unto them, those that were listening there, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the others. And so we see here this man's hand being brought forth and healed. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway they rejoiced that they understood that he was the Messiah. Is that what it says? You know, it's amazing. They took counsel how they might what? Why? Why? After seeing God's mighty hand. You know, I think back of when Jesus was born. Remember Herod asked at that time, where is, when the, the, um, the wise men came, where is he born king of the Jews? And the counselors of the Jews came in and says, oh, the Old Testament, Micah 5, 2 says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And as he hears that, instead of understanding that here is this wonderful promise of the Old Testament being fulfilled, what did Herod do? He went out and had all the children two years of age and under killed. Why would he do that? Why do people not want to accept the truth? Why are there people in Eugene, Oregon, who do not want to retain God in their knowledge? Why is it that our public school is doing everything they can do to get rid of God? Playing into the hands of the devil. Oh, I'm telling you, my friends, there's a tragedy going on today. And we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we need to have that right attitude. And we need to come to church expecting. And we need to be in the right seats. And we need to have on the right glasses. And we need to make sure that we're following what God has for us. Because we too can find ourselves following our own way. And I'm going to tell you something. It is not... A pleasant path to go down. I have been uh, studying in the scriptures of the Old Testament. And I want you to turn, if you would, 
to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This morning, we're going to take more of a Bible teaching opportunity rather than just per se a, a sermon or a message. But I want to put together some things of the Bible that might help us this morning understand. Maybe to understand how powerful the flesh can be. And that aspect of the flesh is the pride of life, the lust, and those things. And he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I want to stop here for just a moment. When you see a word like, Therefore, or wherefore, or moreover. Just because there's a chapter separating uh, thoughts, or maybe sometimes even paragraphs, because you understand that the Bible was put together in paragraphs. We all understand that. There was no chapter division when the Bible was written, but, and, and there was no verse division. It was written in paragraphs. And so here in chapter 10, when he says, moreover, you need to go back up, and which I did, I, uh, up to chapter 9. And you see Paul referring to some important instruction. Uh, he, he talks about there about uh, the uh, uh, ministering. And, and then he says in verse 26, He says uh, in chapter 9, I therefore so run, not not as uncertainty. I'm not running everywhere and running all about. I'm not just setting my own course. I'm not fighting a fight uh, as one that just beats the air. There's a purpose for my life. And then he says in verse 27, I keep under my body. And bring it into what? Subjection. I think all of us understand that our flesh is a big enemy. And Paul says, I keep under, he puts it in the present tense, which means this is an ongoing activity. It's not, listen to me. When we talk about the aorist tense and the present tense, the aorist tense is a place of position. The present tense is a a character of ongoing, uh, continuing activity. And he says, listen, I have to continue to keep my body in subjection. Because the body wants to keep on taking on more territory as we've talked about that darkness coming into our lights. I have to fight against things that this body wants to give into. I've shared in some thoughts with folks in, in, of late of that, that sometimes in our, our health situations, there are, there are times where, where our health degenerates. We are on a process of death. And we're going to die someday. But sometimes we can give in to that process more than we should, and therefore it takes more control of our flesh. Does that make sense? I have been thinking so much here of my own self and things that, that we ought to be aware of, that, that how this flesh is trying to take more control of our lives than we want it to. 
or hopefully we want it to. And so he brings it as a bond slave, that word subjection there. Less, uh, he says, I keep under my body the idea of I beat it black and blue and I keep it as a bond slave, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a what? Castaway. Can a preacher become a castaway? I have a dear friend, someone who was on our board at camp, who is now a castaway because he didn't keep his body in subjection. I'm telling you, my friends, the warnings are in the scriptures. They're called admonitions. There are warnings out there. And we need to pay attention. And we need to be serious about this. He says, moreover, brethren... I would not that you be ignorant. The word ignorant there is the word agnostic or agnes, which we get our word agnostic. If someone says they are agnostic, it is the idea of being ignorant. Don't know. God does not want us not to know. God wants us to know. God wants us to know whether we're going to heaven or not, right or wrong. He says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might, what? Know that you have everlasting life. God is a God who wants us to know. He says, he's going to use an illustration here of the Old Testament, of the Jews coming out of Egypt. He says they uh, were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They were all baptized unto Moses. That's an interesting word there is to put under. In other words, they were, they were put under this authority. They went through this uh, uh, situation. And, and there's a lot of typology of there of, of, of the cloud and, and the pillar of fire and the being led and the things that are taking place there. And he says, and they all did eat of the same spiritual meat. In other words, they were brought out of Egypt. They saw God's hand in Egypt. They went to the Red Sea and they saw God perform the miracle. They brought in the wonderful word out of the rock that was struck. They saw the water healed. They saw manna coming down from heaven. They all ate of these things. They knew who God was. And they did all drink of the same spiritual drink. And drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Jesus Christ. But. But. With many of them. God was not well pleased. God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. It was not God's. Delight to take them out of Egypt from that land of bondage and bring them to be scattered in the wilderness. It was God's will for them to go into the promised land, right or wrong. And now Paul is bringing out this example here in verse 5, talking about what happened, the change. They saw so many wonderful things. You and I have experienced the salvation of God. And yet he's saying this in verse 6. Now these things were our example. 
In other words, the Bible and the stories that are recorded in this book are there to help us to understand biblical truth, to understand who God is. God is a God of His Word. And he's saying, listen, you Corinthians, who was a carnal church, they were taking their brothers to court. There was division amongst them. They were in the flesh and going on in their lives. And Paul is preaching hard at them so that they might change. By the way, did they change? Yes or no? Yes, they did. They change. You find when you read 2 Corinthians, you see a completely different story, a completely different church. Wow. And so he's writing to these Corinthians, helping them to understand, because the word carnal, carnality comes from the word sarcas, which is the word for flesh. Can a Christian be carnal? Yes or no? Yes. How many of you have ever been carnal? Okay, I want to see how many are going to lie this morning. Yeah. The other day I had, uh, I, I, I was, I mean, it comes up. Have you ever had it come up in you? And, 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 and to deal with it. And Paul is writing, he says, listen, he says, this is serious. The Corinthians were just having their party. And that seems to be what's happening in our churches, in our Christian today. It's just one big party rather than the seriousness of the holiness and justice and love of God. He says, and these things were an example. That word example there is the idea that God allows the scriptures to be a pattern to help us to understand. And I'm going to tell you something. You know the Bible is true because you can read it and we can relate to it very easily. And so many other evidence and all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This word example is used a few other places in the Bible. It's used in Philippians chapter three, verse 17, talking about leadership. Leadership. Paul tells the Philippians, he says, listen, you follow us as we are examples. Should leadership be an example? Yes. We see qualifications of pastors in uh, Timothy and qualifications of deacons. We see on the selection of deacons that these were men that were selected out there to be uh, and had a good report full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. I'm going to tell you something, my folk, uh, friends, as we handle the Word of God, we need to be good examples. It's also used in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3 is that God commands leadership to be examples and not lords over God's heritage. Continue reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Neither, he says, uh, he says, these things were an example to the intent, we should not lust after evil things. We must be able to discern in our lives whether something is good or not good, if it's healthy or unhealthy for us, as they also lusted. Now, let's go in and see what's going on. Neither be you idolaters, which is putting anything before God, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. 
Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000 people. Now, this is in the New Testament. And God is saying, listen, as you go back in the Old Testament, all Scripture is given by inspiration and it's profitable. He says, understand that there was consequences for wrong choices. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. You're familiar with, as she's talking about the wilderness journey here. And you remember, I've put up there Numbers chapter 13 and 14. You remember when they brought the Israelites out of Egypt and they traveled down to the Red Sea. And then they went across and they traveled about a, 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 a period of time. I'm not sure how much time it was. But then they came to Kadesh Barnea and, and, and they had come across dry holes and, and detours and dead ends and struggles and things like this. And they finally came to Kadesh Barnea and they looked at the wretched adversary. Do you remember the story? They looked at the wretched adversary and they said, there's giants in the land. And then the people listened to the wrong advice. And then those same people lost the wonderful ability We see these things going on. Oh, I'm telling you, these things are written there for our admonition. They're written there for our instruction. Verse 10, neither murmur ye. Now, Paul is referring to the Corinthians here. As some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Interesting word. The word destroyed there means that they were put out of the way. They were put out of the way. Now, Paul starts this this all out with saying, he says, listen, I'm going to keep my body in subjection. I'm going to beat it black and blue, lest I become a castaway. You see, in Paul's heart, in his desire, the greatest desire he had was to serve God. And he was willing to do whatever it would take to keep his body in subjection so he wouldn't become worthless. And he says, these people that complained and murmured and sexual immorality and all these things, they begot, they were destroyed. They were put out of the way. Now, I personally believe that once you are truly born again, that you cannot lose your salvation. Would you agree with that? I mean, the Bible says, I give you eternal life and you'll never perish. But can we be put on a shelf? We can. We can. And that's the word that's being brought in here. They were put out of the way. They no longer became the core of of which was what God would have for them to accomplish. And that was to go in to this wonderful land that He had given to them. He says in verse 11, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our what? Admonition. What's the word admonition mean? 
warning or instruction. Either one, it can have different different aspects there. It's the, it's the idea of this is our instruction. And a wise person will hear this. And a wise person will follow upon whom the ends of the world are come. Verse 12, wherefore... Let him that thinketh, thinketh, he standeth what? Take heed, lest he falls. You know, my friends, to continue to go where God would have you to go, make sure you keep a humble heart before the Lord. This was an example. Now, as I go in to looking at some more of this example, you know, your Bible, about one-fourth of it is New Testament. You all know that? Get my New Testament here. We're going to do a little uh, Bible study this morning, if I can have the luxury to do so. I've got a lot of notes in the end of my Bible, so uh, right here. Oops. There is the New Testament. All right? You all see that? That's the New Testament. The Old Testament is broken down in three parts. The Old Testament, the first part is called the history, right? Seventeen books. Some people have broken it down into uh, five parts. Uh, They've broken down into the Pentateuch, which is the first five books, and then are the law. and then the historical books, and then the poetical books, and then major and minor prophets. I find it easier just to take it and say the first 17 are the historical books. They start with Genesis, and we were talking in Sunday school this morning. It was amazing. That one little book covers one-third of human history. Isn't that something? One-third of human history from about 4,000 B.C. to about 1,500 B.C. So these 17 books is the history of Israel. All right? And then you have the next five books, which is called the poetical books. All right? So there's the poetical book. Can someone name a poetical book? Psalms. Okay? What is the first poetical book? Job. Isn't that interesting? Job is a poetical book. Then there's Psalms. So understand that our Bible is not put together chronologically except the first 17. All right? And then in that first 17, there is some overlap of time. Do we all understand that? But basically, the history of the Old Testament is basically found in those 17 books. Then there's the poetical books. Uh, uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. All right? And they're written in Hebrew poetry. And then there are 17 books. 17 books that are the prophetical books. 17 books. And when you read these 17 books... What do you come up with? Warnings. Warnings. Red lights flashing. Stop. Don't continue going there. God took 17, almost as much as the New Testament, 
Do you all see that? Almost as much as the New Testament to give warnings out there. Oh, this is a wonderful, wonderful card. You come back tonight, I'll read it to you. How's that sound? Better put it over there. I've got stuff falling all over the place. So everybody got it? 17, 5, 17. Let's say it together. 17, 5, 17. You all of a sudden know what's in the entire Old Testament. Did you know that? When I got saved, I didn't even know there was an Old Testament. And so it is as we go on. What is the first prophetical book in this section? The first prophetical book. Isaiah. Not coincidence. Because the prophecies was not just about Israel, but it was about the coming Messiah. And Isaiah is a wonderful book that deals with that. Now, as I bring up this chart up here, can you, can you cut the lights up here in the front? Uh, if, if you would like this chart, just uh, let Cheryl know and, and we can email this to you. Uh, uh, this is the uh, books of prophecy. Uh, there we go. And uh, uh, of, of the Old Testament. And again, I, I wanted to bring out Isaiah is the first. So understand that the prophetical books are not in order. Does everybody understand that? All right. They, they called them major prophets and then minor prophets. But in reality, I don't understand why one would be major except for the length of it. All right. But in those major prophets, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, uh, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, all right, which covers quite a broad section of time. Now, as I put this up here, as I was going through the Bible, as I shared with you before, that the prophets this year caught my attention. And as they caught my attention, there are several things that I'd like to bring out to them. But you'll notice up here that uh, these were written to Gentile nations. These were written to Israel. These were written to Judah. Okay. Now, when I say these are written to, understand that these were the prophets writing. Because you'll notice up here that there's no lamentations up here. There's just Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the only prophet that wrote two books. All right. So everybody understand that? So in that 17, there's 16 prophets altogether. And so, you, you know uh, the story of Obadiah. It was written to Eden. And uh, back in the 9th century, that's 800 to 900 B.C. And then there was Jonah. You all know the story of Jonah, don't you? And it's interesting. Jonah was the prophet that was supposed to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was going to be the ones that destroyed Israel. All right? So he had some problems. He was written in the, in the 8th century. Uh, if I bring up this next slide, it shows you that Isaiah was writing there. And Samaria, uh, the capital of Israel, was destroyed in 722 uh, B.C. Jonah was fairly close to that time. And he, as a prophet, as the prophets would, they oftentimes could see into things that were going to take place. God's Spirit would help them to understand. God would work on their hearts. 
It's interesting, as I was reading this week about Simeon. Y'all remember the story of Simeon? It's only found in Luke chapter 2. And Simeon was the old man and uh, Anna was in the, in the temple. Remember these two? And, and Simeon was there. And, and Simeon didn't have, per se, any Bible. Though in the temple they had the, 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 the Torah and they had other scrolls there and things like that. But the Holy Spirit came to Simeon and said, Listen, you're going to hold the Messiah before you die. And it says that as he was on duty, guess who comes into the temple? Mary and Joseph carrying little baby Jesus. And without having really a Bible or anything else, Simeon knew that this was the Messiah. Because he was looking for the Messiah. And it's such a marvelous story. And it says, I've now held the Messiah. But here in the Old Testament, we see that these prophets, they, they have some insight as God gives them insight. And Jonah knew that Syria. And I, what I've tried to do up here, though uh, there's a little overlap of time, but this is the cessation of empires as they uh, uh, take place. The Assyrians came in. They conquered Israel. The Babylonians came in and conquered the Assyrians and they conquered Judah and they took over all. I mean, in other words, as this goes on, the Babylonians uh, defeated everybody there and they became the world empire. After the Babylonians, then comes the Medes and the Persians. After the Medes and the Persians comes the Greeks. And after the Greeks comes the Romans. Alright, so this is a story actually is found in Daniel about the empires there and the statue of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And so in here, you'll see Hosea. And we're going to talk about Hosea. We're going to talk about Amos. You remember Amos? Country preacher and all. And then here's Micah and Isaiah. These were written right here before. Look at how many books. Before the destruction of Israel, God sent five prophets. To warn them to change. But they wouldn't. And God's judgment came and destroyed them. Then you come into Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah. And there's Jeremiah. We're going to look at some of these prophets. And then what you'll see as we look at this in Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote in a period of time about 50 years uh, that he wrote, and it was during the time just before the destruction of Jerusalem. So understand these books, and I hope that this will give you a clearer insight in when you read the prophets, that you'll get to know what's going on and everything like that. And then after everybody is destroyed, you see what it says up there? Probably not. I, unless you got, how many got good glasses on there? They can read that, that up there. Okay? It's called the exile. Right, the exile. And that what, what that means is when Babylon and, and Assyria, both of them, when they conquered the people, guess what they did? They took the people they wanted back to their homeland to be slaves. And what it's talking about here now is the exile is because now Israel is lost. Judah is destroyed and people are taken out and they're left in Babylon. Uh, only left the poor to take care of what was left in the land. 
Here at one time, the, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the, 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 the temple and the, the house of Solomon, and they said that there was one time when the streets were paved with silver because there was so much prosperity in Israel. But Israel got proud, got self-reliant, and they abandoned the God who had brought them there. I've been sharing with folks, I says, listen, you know, you've made some good progress spiritually. You just remember that God's the one that's helped you to get there. And don't forget about God. Moses, back in Deuteronomy, he says, listen, don't forget about God. But even Moses was a prophet as he says, I know you will. And they forgot about God. In the periods of times that come there after Moses died, you see Joshua coming in and conquering the land. But after the conquering of the land, then you come into the books of Judges where there is up and down. And they, they go out and they serve God, but then they go and they forget about God. And they become into the cycle of captivity and devastation and all these things. And then they cry out to God, wouldn't it be so much better if we would just keep our eyes on the Lord and keep going? Paul says, I'm willing to beat my body out so that I don't become a castaway. You mark it down. The devil doesn't want anyone to succeed. And this is a game of life. It's a warfare for your life. And so these prophets, as 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, listen, 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 listen. And you know what? The Corinthians did. Praise the Lord for that. So in this exile, it's a, how long of the period was the exile? Seventy years. Do you know why it was 70 years? Because they didn't honor the sabbatical year for 490 years. You take 490, divide it by seven, and you come up with 70 you see, judgment might not come immediately. But rest assured, God's word is true. Sometimes the devil wants you to think that you've got away with something and only to discover down the road that judgment to come. Oh, my heart breaks. Why do you think God sent seven or 16, maybe I should say that right, 16 of the prophets? Why do you think he spent that much time in the Bible? He wanted to warn them. Is it because he didn't like them? Yes or no? No. He loved them. He loved them so much that he wanted to tell them the truth. But they would not listen. And so Daniel is written in this exile period of time. And Ezekiel. When you read Daniel and you read Ezekiel, man, it's filled with some amazing truths. And then after they come back into the land, what we call the post-exilic uh, prophets. This is when the Persians are taking over. Daniel was in the, in, the, in the exile and he was a part of the post-exilic time too. As, uh, as the Persians take over, they take over while Israel still in the exile. It helps you to understand about Darius. It helps you to understand about them rebuilding the temple and all these things that are taking place. God gave them the opportunity to go back into their land. Ezra... And Nehemiah 
are the historical aspects there. That's the end of the, and, and Esther, Ezra, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther is talking about this time of this post-exile. By the way, there are charts out there that put the kings and the other historical books in line with all this stuff so you can see it all fit together. You can get a chronological Bible and you can see all that stuff in a chronological. How many have ever read a chronological Bible? It's a marvelous, marvelous book. Help you understand it. And then there's the last book. So you got Haggai and Zechariah. They started getting into problems again. In fact, uh, uh, Haggai says to them, he says, consider what's going on. Just consider what's going on. And then Malachi, Malachi ends. Do you all know what Malachi is about? Malachi says, listen, this is what you're doing. And what's their response? He says over and over in the book of Malachi, wherein have we done these things? They just didn't get it. A word to the wise. Let's get it. Amen. Now, next time, I'm going to go in to about 75 verses that show you what's happening. And I'm going to tell you something. It breaks your heart. Paul says these things were written as an example. God is true. His word is true. Amen to that? Father, I praise you this morning that your word is true. And now as we've had this history lesson, we, we, we are seeing history repeating itself. We're seeing a nation, America, Losing its roots. Forgetting about what made America great. And Father, America is just not getting it. And it is my prayer that we as a church will make sure we get it. There's nothing more important than bringing you glory and loving you and loving others. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to put aside those blinders that are keeping us from getting it. And Lord, it is my prayer that you might take this morning as just a precursor to all that's written in those 17 books. As we look at them in greater detail and we see how much mixture of your love, your patience, your grace is mixed in there because you're the same God of the Old Testament as you are of the New Testament. And as Paul wanted that Corinthian church to get it, he brought up these examples. And so, Lord, as we talk about discernment, Lord, we understand that there's people throughout the pages of the Bible that missed the wonderful opportunities. Oh, God, help us to keep our bodies into subjection. Help us not to get involved with things that's going to hurt us physically spiritually or emotionally. How I pray that we as a congregation might have our eyes to be open and to see whatever you have for us and help us to be honest with ourselves. And I'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Our time is gone. You say, what kind of invitation would we have after this? I would say... It's important to go out 
we sang, I'll live for Jesus. Let's go out and do it. Amen to that? Let's go out and find out what He has for us and be obedient unto Him. Do we have a song that we can sing, though, honey? Open my eyes, all right. What, 448, if we uh, turn here in your song books. Open our eyes to see. Let's stand together. Open mine eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Open and a wonderful key that shall unclass and set me free. Janie played that as I was thinking about it. We got news on Friday of a situation. A situation I've never had to deal with before. And as I looked at that situation, my wife and I were eating out. And we sat there and we just prayed and said, God, would you help us to know how to deal with this situation? You know, inside of us, it could be, or it could be, and the emotions can run all over the place. We said, God, would you give us scripture to help us to know what we ought to do? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I trust that this was just a, uh, an appetizer this morning. And by the time I preach next, I encourage all of you to read all 17 of the, uh, the books. Amen to that. Uh, the home builders, and by the way, they picked the right weekend for the... Uh, wouldn't it have been tough if it was last night they had the bonfire? I would have loved to see them try to keep it going. But Friday, Saturday, it's supposed to be really nice. And uh, we've got uh, work day out there. Can I just say this? Come back tonight. We're going to be sharing some things tonight about our move into the property, some dates and times and things like that. But on this landscaping here, we are trying to get a lot of the cleaning done and a lot of the things taken care of and all. And so if, if you want to help in those things, we'll talk a little bit more about at night. But uh, next two Saturdays at 830 in the morning, we're going to be over there. And next Saturday, next Saturday, it looks like it might be the last window that we have to work outside. All right. So come over. But if some of the ladies want to come in and help start cleaning and things like that, there's a whole bunch of cleaning to be done over there. Just the construction pickup and all that stuff stuff that's going on. Do you know that in five weeks from today, we're supposed to have our first service over there? Five weeks from today, our first service, a four-year project. God, help us as we finish up. There's a lot to do in five weeks. Can't encourage you to be a part of this. And then a potluck. we got to eat in those five weeks, don't we? So, anyways, we're putting in a potluck, no evening service. Happy anniversary. Larry and Vivian, would you just raise your hands back there in the back? 51 years. Amen. Amen. Boy, they look... Uh, 
wonderful in that picture up there and in person as well. You graduate, uh, congratulate them and enjoy Sunday school. You are dismissed.